Hey, everybody. Um, for those of you who've just started attending Alice Drive for the last four weeks, my name's Clay Smith, and I'm the pastor. Uh, I've been out with knee surgery. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, thank you for your cards, uh, your support. Uh, it just means the world to me, and thank you. Thank you very much, and thanks uh, to my great therapists, physical therapists who actually attend the church, uh, Cherie Williams and Sarah, Sarah, whose last name I forgot. But anyway, they are great at torturing, I mean, helping you. Uh, no, they've really done a fantastic job. Um, I also wanna thank Ethan uh, and Kevin and uh, Matt for preaching for me. Uh, they have done a great job. And I've listened to those messages. It's wonderful to have a great staff. Yeah. So we're in this series, and the series is entitled Different Than Me. Uh, I really feel like God put it on my heart for us to do this series because as I look at our nation, I see that we are at war. And we're at war not with an enemy that is outside of us. We are at war with each other. We have lost the ability in our nation to disagree with people who are different than us and still care about them. We've lost that. But what really breaks my heart is I feel like we've also lost that among Christians. That, that Christians right now uh, are more interested in being right than loving one another. I, I've seen pastors and teachers and professors and, and pillars of the church get on social media and just blast people who do not see the world the, the way they see the world. And, and I can't help but think, that, is that really being like Jesus? Is that the way that Jesus wants us to live? Now, Kevin shared with you last week a very helpful framework to think about this. Uh, in Christianity, there are first-level issues, second-level issues, third-level issues. First-level issues. What is necessary to be saved? And I actually did a series about this last year. It was called, Do You Believe? And if you didn't listen to that series or miss part of it, go back and listen to it. In the first Christian sermon ever preached by Peter on the day of Pentecost, he enumerated five core beliefs that are first level beliefs. What do you have to do to be considered a Jesus follower? Number one, you have to believe Jesus was sent from God. Number two, that he did mighty works. Number three, that he was crucified on a cross. That was God's plan for the forgiveness of our sins. Number four, that he was resurrected from the dead. And those four facts lead to number five, which is we need to repent, believe, and follow. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, after that are what I call second level issues. Second level issues are important things, but they're not essential things. So for example, we believe that baptism should be by immersion because the Greek word for baptism is baptizo. It means to sink or drown. Technically, we are Alice Drive drowning church, although we don't actually do that. Um, so does that mean that Christians that sprinkle, are, are they all going to hell? Of course not. Okay, do we just disagree about something? So this would be things like mode of baptism. Uh, this would be things like what's the role of women in church leadership? Uh, how was the Bible inspired? Secondary issues, they're important, but they're not vital. Then there's third level issues. Third level issues, what are your politics? I actually had a person ask me one time, do you have to be a Republican to be a Christian? Well, I hope not. 
Because after all, before the Republican Party was actually invented in the 1850s, there were a whole lot of people who lived. I, 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 I think issues like politics, issues like uh, what Bible translation uh, you should use, issues like what songs should we sing in worship, those are all third level issues. Let me tell you why this matters. Jesus said to us in John 13, 34, a new command I give you. Let me pause right there. How many of you have been in the military? What's the, com what's the difference between a command and a suggestion? <laughs> yeah, you don't even have to be in the military to know that. This Jesus is saying is not optional. If you are a follower, if you claim you're a Christian and you want to go to heaven, you got to do this. So a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. I want you to notice what it does not say. It does not say, if you have the right theology, that's how people will know you're my disciple. If you read the right Bible translation, that's how people will know you are my disciple. It is, do you love one another? When Christians divide over non-first-level issues, we are not showing the world we are followers of Jesus Christ. In fact, I think this is why some of you have trouble with church. This may be why some of you are, are kind of teetering on the edge of should I go, should I not go. Maybe that's why some of you are more comfortable watching online because you've been in a church and you've been involved in a church fight over non-first-level issues. I have seen churches divide over the color of the carpet. First level issue, not in the Bible. And you look at people acting like that and you just want to go, what, what's going on? And you know, you don't have to know very much about Christianity, but you know, this doesn't feel right. Jesus wouldn't act this way. And so I'm just not sure I can even trust this whole Christianity thing if Christians can't act like Jesus. And you're right. Jesus was a master of keeping the main thing the main thing. Now, I believe that we must set an example of love for people to show it is possible to love someone different than us. If we don't do it, who's going to? Are CNN and Fox News going to teach people how to love people different than them? Now, our theme for this year is peace. I've encouraged you to memorize this verse. I want you to read this verse with me, and I want you to read it like you're not missing an hour of sleep. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. It is the mission of Jesus' followers to share the peace of Jesus with this world. Let me ask you this. Do you think our nation would be better off if we knew how to have peace with people different than us? Do you think Christians would be better off if we knew how to have peace with Christians who see the world different than us? Now, in Romans 14, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there, Romans 14. In Romans 14... Paul is addressing an issue among Christians in Rome. It sounds strange to us because it's really not an issue for us. The issue is over meat. Jewish Christians 
had grown up believing that meat offered to an idol was tainted, it was unclean, you shouldn't eat it. Therefore, they couldn't be sure where the meat came from, many of them became vegetarians. Ironically, the non-Jewish Christians, known as the Gentiles, they had actually worshiped these idols. When they met Jesus, they realized these idols aren't real, they're just wood and stone. And if meat is offered to them, big deal, doesn't matter. And this is true, that the meat offered to idols was sold cheaper than meat not offered to idols. How many of you like to buy steak on sale? And so the Gentile Christians were going, hey, it's on sale. Let's have steak night at church. Let me ask you this question. Is eating meat a first level, second level, or third level issue? Somebody said fourth, I think you're probably right. Probably right, yeah, it's, it's not first level. And yet Christians in Rome were dividing about this and it's real easy once you start dividing about an issue to start saying, well, my way is superior to your way. So Paul is gonna teach these Roman Christians how to value first level things, how to love people different than them. We've already talked about it in this series. Uh, you've heard how that we are to accept that people are different because here's the truth, everybody is different, right? Everybody sees the world a little differently and we need to respect people who are different and we need to love people who are different. And today Paul is gonna teach us a very specific set of behaviors about how to love these people who are different than us. Loving people different than me means I am going to build them up. Loving people different than me means I'm going to build them up. So let's dive in and start with verse 19, a very rich verse. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. So there are two big key ideas in this verse. The first one is pursue peace. Uh, the NIV translation here is a little clunky uh, when it talks about make every effort, the Greek word actually means to pursue, to chase. Anybody play chase when you were little? Okay, some of you, it was so long ago, you can't even raise your hands. I get that. Uh, yeah, uh, the whole idea is this, this is your goal. You want to pursue peace. Uh, I love Jeff Allen, who's a comedian. He's also a Christian. Um, uh, he, he tells this story about right before he got married, his dad pulled him aside and said, son, I'm gonna give you a piece of advice about your new bride and about marriage. He said, in marriage, you face two choices. You can be right or you can be happy. He said, since I married your mother 30 years ago, I haven't been right one time, but I'm a happy, happy, happy man. Now, let me tell you why I love that story. Because I think everybody has this, this desire in their soul to be right. We've got it. And we all ought to acknowledge it. The, the desire to be right is proof to ourself that we're smarter than other people, that our wounds matter more than other people's, 
that we're just a little better than other people and that our behavior then is justified. Now, what's true in my own soul is I know my desire to be right and I have a big desire to be right wounds the people that are most important in my life. Is that true for you? So Paul is giving us the simplest of instructions. In every relationship, make peace your goal. In every relationship, make peace your goal. Remember, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is a deep sense of well-being. So in every relationship, is that my goal? I want to have a deep sense of well-being with this other person, even if they are different than me. Now, what about when peace is not possible? Because there are some toxic people in the world. It's very difficult to have a relationship with, with them. Some of you are nodding your head. Some of you are pointing. Quit pointing. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, Sermon on the Mount, he said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Very clear, very simple instructions. So in my prayer list, I have a subsection called the Matthew 544 list. None of you are on it. It is a list of people who have made my life difficult, who have been my adversaries, some of whom have said some really nasty things about me. And I pray for them. Now, honesty compels me to tell you, I did not start out praying for them saying, Lord, just bless them. I started out more praying, Lord, smite them, cause locusts to descend upon them. But here's what I have found. The longer I have prayed for these people, the more my emotional distress goes down. And the more I'm able to pray, God, bring good to them. Maybe I can't have a relationship with him. Maybe I can't feel close to them. But Lord, bring good to them. See, I can still love people and pray for people even when I can't have a relationship with people. Now, the second great truth in verse 19 is this. Build up people. The Bible in NIV translates as mutual edification. The word actually means to build a building. But instead of building a building, build people. Now, I thought about this in terms of our Pacala building project, which we just finished. Uh, we had a main contractor. He was responsible for the whole project. And then we had a lot of subcontractors. Uh, plumbing, electrical, drywall, painting. There are some people, I am the main contractor to build them up. My, my wife, my kids, my grandson. My job is to build them up, encourage them, cheer them on, seek to understand them. That's my job. I, I also have to accept I am a main contractor for our staff. My job is to encourage them and to build them up. Todd, our executive pastor, regularly reminds me that uh, my words weigh more than anyone else's on staff. And that's hard for me to get because I'm just a, a simple guy, I think. I see you look skeptical. 
Other people have looked skeptical when I say that too. But this was brought home to me when somebody who worked here and then stepped away from us told me that he had saved every thank you note I had written to him over a 13 year period. And I thought, really? So you actually have to think about your relationships and think about how much do my words weigh in this relationship? Now you may have heard, studies have shown that one negative word has the same weight as seven positive words. One negative word has the same weight as seven positive words. I had a pastor friend who told his, his uh, deacons this, and he said, so before you can say anything negative about the church, you have to say seven positive things. And you know what happened in deacons meetings? They got shorter. People, people really struggled with this. And along with this, I, I saw another interesting study, pretty fascinating. The average school-age child from kindergarten to seniors in high school, the average school-age child hears 400 negative messages about themselves a day. Do the math. How many positive messages do they need to offset that? Wow. In case you can't do the math, 2,800. Who's the main contractor for that job? Now, there are other people in life. I am the subcontractor. I'm the subcontractor. Um, these are people that I made on social media, people I just encounter randomly. Uh, I am friends with a guy on social media. I've never met him. He is married to a high school friend of mine, and he is a pastor. He uh, fell off a cliff in college, is a paraplegic. He posts some of the most insightful things on Twitter. And every time he posts something, I just have to go in and say, Scott, thank you. This, this is amazing. I want to encourage him. Now, I'm under no illusions that I'm the main contractor in his life. I'm just one voice. But I want to bless him for what he does. Uh, before I came to church this morning, I went to McDonald's. Uh, got an Egg McMuffin. There's a lady standing out there, and it's cold. And I rolled down my window, and she says, can I take your order? And I said, well, let me have a number one with a large Diet Coke. And, and I said, how are you this morning? And she said, I'm cold. And I said, are they going to let you go in when it starts raining? And she said, it's going to rain today? I said, whoops. I thought, how can I bless this person? And I just said, thank you. Thank you for standing out here to take my order. Now, honesty compels me to tell you, I don't want you to get the wrong impression, but I'm just this great encourager. I struggle with this. Probably because uh, my parents were not great encouragers. Don't get me wrong, my parents, good people. This just was not in their wheelhouse. You know, they were of the generation, you've got a roof over your head and food on the table. That should be all the encouragement you need. But Paul makes clear this is not optional. If you are a Jesus follower, this is what love requires of you. So don't wait uh, to, 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 you know, be good at it. And don't just think this is a message for people who are natural encouragers. Learn how to do this. 
Now, think about it. We believe Jesus lived the best life ever, right? And so our goal is to be like Jesus. Did Jesus come to bring peace? Did Jesus come to build people up? The answer is yes, he did. Jesus came so that there could be peace between us and God. That's why he died on the cross for our sins. And when we acknowledge our sins before God and ask for forgiveness and decide to follow Jesus, Jesus says, great, I'm glad you did this. You now have a relationship with your heavenly father. And now my mission is to encourage you to take next steps toward me. One of the words for the Holy Spirit, which is the third person of the Trinity, the part of God that lives in us if we follow Jesus, one of the word, names for him is paraclete, which means encourager. Now here's the sad truth. A lot of us grew up in churches where we were told that God does not encourage us, that God condemns us, that God judges us, and we've got the wrong picture of God. And if you're not hearing encouraging messages from God, one of two things is happening. Either number one, you've never met the real Jesus and you think Jesus exists to make you feel bad. Let me wipe that out. Jesus said, I have not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Folks, that's why we call it the good news. This is not a church of discouraging news. This is a church of good news. And so if that's the Jesus you've been hearing about, let me encourage you to meet the real Jesus, the Jesus who says, I want you to follow me so I can start encouraging you every day. Now, the second possibility, if you haven't heard a message of encouragement from God, it's because you're listening to the wrong voice in your head. I don't know about you, but I've got a lot of voices in my head. Some of you are saying we've always suspected as much. It's hard sometimes for me to discern the voice of God from the critical voices. Some of these voices I haven't heard physically for 30 years. But I can still remember some of the, the condemning things some of my teachers said. Some condemning things some coaches said to me. I can still hear some condemning words that came to me from from people who call themselves Christians. I can still hear those words, those voices. And I have to work hard to say, okay, that's not the voice of God. God is for me, he's not against me. God wants to encourage me. And if you are not hearing those messages of encouragement from Jesus, you need to pause and pray and say, Lord, help me hear your encouraging voice. Now, I could almost end the message right here. But I haven't preached in a month, and I have two more verses to go. Look at verse 20. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. The word destroy means to tear down. It is the antithesis of the word in verse 19, which says build up. So Paul says, build up people. And then he says, and don't destroy the work of God. 
Some of you I know really watch HGTV, these renovation shows they do. And everybody's favorite day on the project, demolition day. Where they go in with sledgehammers and pry bars and they just destroy things. And everybody's laughing and having a good time. You know why? It's easier to tear down than to build up. It's easier to tear people down than build people up. And, and can I just ask you this question? In our culture today, do you think we're better at tearing people down or better at building people up? Let me ask you to do a gut check. Gut check question. Would your family and closest friends say you're a builder or a demolisher? And if you're not very happy with the answer you're coming up with, ask Jesus to change you. Let me ask you another question. What is worth destroying the work of God? What's worth destroying the work of God? Paul says, don't destroy it over food. So is it worth destroying the work of God over politics? Is it worth destroying the work of God over my version of theology? Is it worth destroying the work of God over my feelings or my pride or my sense of self-righteousness or my tradition? Is that worth destroying the work of God? Let me tell you, it's a dangerous thing to destroy the work of God. So Paul's really saying, stop it. Stop it. Did your mama ever say, stop it, in that tone of voice? What did you do? If you didn't stop it, you were putting yourself in peril. When my mother had that tone of voice, I stopped whatever I was doing. That's what Paul's saying. Stop it. And, and, and if you're waiting to say, well, I'll just wait till, till God does a work in my heart. I'll wait for a sign from heaven. This verse is your sign. Don't wait till you feel like it. Stop it. Paul goes on to say, hey, all food's clean. You know, if that's the big issue, let me just tell you, all food's clean. But that's not the main point. What does he say? Do not cause your brother to stumble. Don't put up roadblocks between people and Jesus. My commitment to you is at Alice Drive, we are going to do our best to never put a roadblock between people and Jesus. We are going to be a place of grace. And let me tell you, that's going to create tension. It's going to create some tension because that means messy people are going to come and we're going to have to deal with their messiness. And that's okay because you know what? The only kind of people there are in the world are... Messy people. Let me tell you the sad truth. Some people can't handle this much grace. Some people can't handle this much grace. Years ago, I had finished teaching a new member class and a guy comes up to me as people are going out the door and says, I want to talk to you. I said, well, let me speak to these other folks. Spoke to them. Go over to where this guy is waiting. I say, okay, you know, t what, what, how can I help you? He said, I need to know something you didn't address in your material. I said, what's that? He said, is this a conservative church? 
Oh, that's a loaded question. And so I went, well, I don't know what you mean by the word conservative. Conservative means lots of things to lots of people. I said, if you are asking, are we the kind of church where women have to wear dresses instead of pants and wear their hair up in the bun? No, we are not that kind of church. I said, but if you are asking, are we the kind of church that takes the Bible seriously, believes it's the word of God, and is doing our very best to follow Jesus, then yes, we're that kind of church. And his face fell and he said, oh, I hate that. I was looking for a conservative church. I tell you folks, not everybody can handle the grace that God wants us to live by. And that's why you see Christians building walls and excluding people, and that's not the way of Jesus. Don't put a stumbling block between people and Jesus. Now there's one more verse. Verse 21. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Now the NIV has a great translation. A couple of times I've kind of told you here, it's a little clunky, doesn't quite gasp it. I don't know why, but these three verses seem to have a lot of that. Don't think it's a bad translation. It's a good translation. Maybe, maybe this translator had Mexican for lunch and then went back and translated these verses. I don't know. But here it's also a little clunky because what it literally says in, in Greek is, is so incredible. It says, it is beautiful not to eat meat or drink wine and not cause your brother to stumble. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to set aside what I want so my brother and sister can take a next step toward Jesus. That's why Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. That's what creates a beautiful soul. If you want to follow Jesus all the way to heaven, deny yourself the luxury of being right about everything. Deny yourself the luxury of being self-centered. Deny the luxury of, of thinking that the world has to respond to you and your woundedness and your story and follow Jesus. So I want to ask you three questions. Number one, who needs you to build them up? I hope that God has put somebody on your mind today, somebody on your heart. Maybe it is your spouse. You realize, you know, I'm real good at pointing out what's not good about my spouse. Not, not, I, I should point out some good. Maybe, maybe it's with your kids. After the last service, I had a guy come out and said, man, you, you really convicted me. I said, well, that's God, not me. He said, I was thinking about some of the players on the team I coach. I'm real good at pointing out what they do wrong, not as good pointing out what they do right. I hope God's put somebody on your heart that you need to build up. Second question, what do you need to give up? What do you need to give up? Can I just really get in your business right now? I think if you take this passage seriously, you might have to go scrape a bumper sticker off of your car. 
because it's getting in the way. It might be a stumbling block to somebody. You might have to take down some of what you've posted on social media. And you're pretty sure you're right. And you're pretty sure that everybody needs to know you're right. But you've created a stumbling block. You need to give it up. Some of you, frankly, need to give up social media so you've got enough time to build up the people that God put in your life. It's probably me. Third question I want to ask you. Do you need to meet the God who wants to build you up and not tear you down? Do you really need to meet him? Because I, see, I, I look around and I think, gosh, if you really met this God of encouragement, you'd live different. You'd have a different life. You'd have a, a happier life, a more positive life. And some of you may not have really ever met that Jesus. And today, you need to say, Lord, I am a sinner and I give my life to you. Forgive me. I want to follow you so you can meet the real Jesus. We were one of the very first churches in this region to sing contemporary songs in worship. And this now, you know, 23, 24 years ago, it was a big deal. Ooh, it was a big deal. We sat the drums on the stage for three weeks before we played them. Just so people wouldn't get freaked out when finally we played them. And it wasn't long before we were having guitars. And then we had a praise team. We moved into this building. We had lights that never had happened before. And some people didn't like it. They didn't like it. I had some people come and say, Pastor, I don't like these songs. I had people say, these are 7-Eleven songs. We sing the same words, same seven words, 11 times. So, yeah, there was, there was some tension. And after a few months, uh, one of the matriarchs of the church um, came to me and said, I want to talk to you about the music. And I'll just let you know. When you come up to the pastor and say, I want to talk about the music, his thought is not yippee. And I'm thinking, oh boy. And I said, well, sure, I'd love, I'd love to hear, you know, how you feel about music. And so she just started, we didn't even set an appointment. She just started in. She said, I don't like this music. It's too loud. She did the 7-Eleven thing. So we said, we sing the same seven words 11 times. I just don't like this music. And I'm thinking, well, bless your heart. And then she said, but my son lives in Chicago. He hadn't been to church in years. Somebody invited him to a church where they have drums and guitars and lights. He started going. And now my grandchildren are in church every Sunday. And so is he. Because he likes this kind of music. And she said, Pastor, what really hit me is that maybe somebody's son, somebody's grandkids will hear about our church and they will come and, and they'll meet Jesus. And if they can do that in Chicago for my son and grandkids, 
then we ought to do it here for somebody else's son and somebody else's grandkids. And she said, Pastor, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to attend the contemporary service. And I'm going to bring earplugs. You know what I think she was really saying? She wasn't going to be a stumbling block. She wanted to build people up. She was being like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we have to, I think, really start by confessing we've really all been a stumbling block to somebody. So forgive us for that. Forgive us for the times we've not built people up. Forgive us for the times that we've been so concerned about being right that we've forgotten to pursue peace. So, Father, teach us how to pursue peace and build one another up. And people here who don't know Jesus, they don't, they don't know that Jesus is the one who encourages us, who brings peace. I pray that today they'd meet the real Jesus. And they'd find out you, you're an amazing, loving, forgiving, comforting God. And I offer this prayer in the name of our great peacemaker, Jesus. Hey, Alice Drive. Thank you guys for watching this service, but don't stop here. Follow us on social media, on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, if you've missed any of our sermons, you can check them all out on our website or YouTube page. It is because of you that we are able to help people take their next steps towards Jesus. And thank you all for being a giving church. God bless y'all, and we'll see you next week.